Under the Helmet. You do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Got Tim Torch here uh, coming over from the UTH Patreon side. We'll talk a little bit more about that later in the show. But we got an exciting set of topics because uh, we are a month into the season. And that means it's recalibration time uh, where if you didn't believe it week one, maybe week two, we've got some trend lines going. So we're going to discuss every skill position and have our nominations for you know who has surprised us, good or bad? I was trying to stay positive, Tim, but I couldn't help myself. But but uh, <laughs> mix in at least one negative of I can't believe what I'm watching, and I can't believe this is happening. And we're going to kind of analyze: Does that make him a buy, a sell? Uh, give some some analysis and some some future casting to is it going to maintain itself, and what what do we do about it, basically? But it's good to have you here on the the, the weekly uh, mainframe show here for UTH because. Uh, again, a lot of people, uh, the super fans, they hear you every single week. We have a lot of bonus content over there, but it's been a while since we had it on the weekly show and, and shame on me. It's good to have you back. I am as, as excited to be on this show as I am to see Taylor Swift at the Chiefs games the last two weeks. Which is not at all. Wow. <laughs> that is I am really so underwhelming. I am I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, are you a Tay-Tay? Are you a Tay-Tay fan? I, I'm not. It was diff. It was it's for the okay. people. It's it for, for the people, the, Chad. For the peeps. All for the peeps. <laughs> yeah. There's like there's like yeah, over trying, on how to many more games he, how many more games she goes to. I think it's two point five right now. I think that's about <laughs> right. Two point five sounds good. Um, so was your list or your first thought for this topic for the week, was it more positive or negative? Did you first gravitate towards who's high up there that I didn't expect? Or you start looking at who's quarterback, you know, 29 and who's running back 62. Like, where did you gravitate first? I, I, I gravitate, <laughs> I really, want, if everyone knows me, but, and I love to stay positive or personal or but, personal. Is there boy, someone like, on your roster? <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I I did go a little bit more towards the negative. Nice. Uh, and that and that's and that's more just because like there's some like there are some players that I, I feel are like UTH stalwarts. Oh yeah, there's a couple that are that are just like cratering some yeah. of my teams right now. And and it could be for for various reasons. Like it could be underperforming, it could be uh out because they were placed on the pup for a mystery injury, whatever it might be. Um so yeah, that that's kind of a I I did lean a little bit more negative than I was expecting I was going to. Okay, uh, let me lead off because I'm gonna start on positive town in terms of what's been going on. And again, we're gonna mix and match. It's not that all minor are rainbows and butterflies. So I'm gonna start at quarterback. And one thing I didn't see coming: CJ Stroud. Um, you know, Houston has has been that plucky, underrated team. You know, they're in a lot of games last year. Didn't think they were very good. Defense a little underrated. And then they dropped in a quarterback and you see Nico Collins being unlocked. You see Robert Woods still being functional. Um, and they're mixing in, you know, John Mechie, you know, in the next few weeks is going to get a little more incorporated there. Um, but they're putting all these things together with just an overall solid team and dropping in a quarterback that is QB 11 in points per game. And it's really tough as a rookie to not 
have a lot of rushing. He's averaging 13 yards per game on the ground. And to be QB 11 with all that rushing production around him, 304 yards per game. And it's not crazy volume. He's not throwing 45, 50 times a game. I think he's topped out in the mid to low 40s twice. Uh, But the big thing is six touchdowns, zero interceptions. Now, here's the interesting part is the expected interceptions. So this includes things like turnover-worthy plays and uh, you know just, just what should have been intercepted. And I kind of go back to how would life be different because his expected interceptions, 3.6. So if it was six touchdowns or five or something like that, somewhere in that zone with three to four interceptions instead of zero and maybe you know one less win, how would we be viewing him in that prism? Is, you know, I think people view it as just like, oh, NFL is easy. You know, it's kind of like the... Uh, um, you know, the, I can't remember the golfer, but it's you know the guy that like he doesn't practice very much and he just goes out there. He's won some majors, and it's like John Daly. Uh, well, that's a good that's a good deep pull, yeah. Um, and so I just wonder, you know, C.J. Stroud hasn't had that really punched you in the mouth moment yet, you know, and having every quarterback goes through this, every single one of them. And so uh, he's also 100 yards over expectation, you know, for for passing wise. It's not egregious, you know, it's about 10 percent somewhere in there. But I'll say this: this is the month to see where Stroud is at. Like the Steelers, they're not right. You know, they got blown out last week. It's a large part because of their offense. You know, so Houston, also their record, you know, a little bit surprising. But this month, he has, in the next four weeks, the most difficult adjusted strength of schedule in the NFL versus opposing quarterbacks. So we're going to find out a lot. Mm. That's six over zero. This next month, he might be two versus five. You know, and, and I just wonder how much this corrects in terms of, I mean, he gets you places just to finish out my thing. And then, you know, please, please bounce in here. But um, he gets you to places you want to go, in my opinion, at quarterback. CJ Stroud straight up for Joe Burrow this week. You know, so Burrow is a buy. We certainly could say that that actually at quarterback might be the most surprising thing. Um, but yeah. CJ Stroud going for Burrow. I mean, that's getting up. That's easily in the top 10 in terms of implied value for Stroud. And that's bumping Burrow down a good amount from where he was to begin oh, the season. Sure. CJ Stroud for Anthony Richardson straight up. Again, I would add to Stroud to get there. Richardson's been unbelievable fantasy-wise, yeah. and he has a lot of aspects that Stroud cannot touch. The last one is, again, and I think all these are the right theme, CJ Stroud and DJ Moore for Justin Herbert and Hunter Henry. And again, the Henry mm. part doesn't matter. But again, go for Burrow. Go for Richardson. Go for Herbert. Go for Stroud. Add another quarterback. Try to get to Allen. Try to get to Mahomes. Add your first. Stroud gives you a lot of latitude in the marketplace that, again, he might turn out to be just fine. But I think with the lack of rushing in general, he's going to have a tough time being a top six type option and peaking out there. Um, I think this QB 11 is a little, you know, uh, a little skewed because of no interceptions. And again, I mean, he's had a couple of matchups that have been exploitable. I want to see what happens this month. And this is the perfect week to go gauge the market because if the schedule turns, he has a couple games with three or four total interceptions. This market is going to go away at least until he has another hot stretch. So just be aware of that. Yeah, I, I completely agree with what you're saying as far as it's the it has been the CJ Stroud show. I was actually talking with someone recently this week and I was just and they were just like CJ Stroud, man, he's <laughs> went to Ohio State and he just picked up right where he left off. Um and and I was kind of like, Yeah, but he's he's also played some catch up. He's had some situations where um he he just kind of has to play that hero ball and it's it's it is him kind of against the world, him and Nico Collins against the world. Um, 
and I'm actually, I am very surprised at how well he's doing considering that offensive line, but yeah, I, I, I really think if you can make those type of moves to move up what you believe is a tier and, and to get off of him, that that's not a bad thing at all. And you, you kind of mentioned a theory about a, uh, uh, dynasty leak to me before we started like how many people like if you did a draft that would be kind of an interesting situation the rest of the season doesn't count but you just do like a draft right now how different would it look like every four weeks or something like that because of the situations that are happening uh for me my uh my first player that i would like to bring up and again like i mentioned i'm going a little bit to negative town and that is um joe burrow for the cincinnati Bengals and I, I get it. I, I think people were probably going to to come at me and say that he is injured. I understand he's injured. And in my opinion, he should have been sitting like the first <laughs> first yeah. few weeks. Um, there was actually a, an interview with Jamar Chase that said, dude, sit, get right, come back, and let's roll. And, and that's what I was kind of hoping they did because by putting it off, they're losing games anyway. <laughs> Didn't he, and, didn't he have it tweaked and, and then he went out there for week yeah. one and then it got worse and it's just like, or week yeah. two and it was it, like, it's so early right. and here's what's sad. Here's the sad part. They're still losing games with him. So yeah, you're, that, you're making it. it worse. And honestly, if you're going to lose all these games for a month, then you could have gotten him healthy while losing the games. And, and of course it's him, but it's the sinking ship that goes around him because that offense, it, it's not creative. They don't do, um, they don't do a lot of motion. They don't do a lot of like other things to kind of create deception. So it's really just Joe Burrow dialing in as he he's, he's the engine that keeps everything running. And I understand he's a quarterback, but the offense around him isn't creating any easy marks for him. So when you're looking at it as a whole and he's not running right, then you have Jamar Chase that just starts falling down. You have T. Higgins that falls down. Tyler Boyd, you can't even consider a flex play. Like he's he's so far gone. Joe Mixon, like la- last year, uh, Mixon had a forty plus point game, and now that's that upside is kind of gone because you don't have that engine that's that's able to create and pull pull off the safeties. It really is a situation where I I get that he's injured, but the fact that he's injured, um doesn't doesn't the really optics. make up it's always optics that, right a yeah. guy playing and, and, like a running back that's half himself and he's out there slogging through not looking yeah. good it's worse than him just sitting out and and just one more piece of it like and i almost feel this way with deshaun watson too like these guys get joe burrow signed that huge contract right before the season starts and i feel like because he got that contract he's like i need to be out there i'm the face of the franchise i'm yeah. the guy they're paying me you know what i would rather you just get right and then <laughs> <laughs> and that way when you come back it's so early in the season like if they would have just been like if they would have just lost all of these games to start the season he would have said he'd be coming back but but they can just then pick up and and be ready to go so joe burrow is is definitely my my first trip down negative town yeah other he's below he's dead last in negative fantasy point differential you know, in terms of what should he be producing versus what he actually is, he's minus thirty nine percent, and the only one relatively close is Derek Carr. Just to give a point, like so, whatever you think about Derek Carr, Burrow is producing at that level in terms of what should he be doing and what is he actually doing. He feels like the perfect. Again, I'm not the biggest Burrow fan long term, but what I do know is when he's healthy and things are better in Cincinnati, 
I don't know if that's this year. Might be next year. Might be week seven. I don't know. But when when he comes up, then he's going to be able to get you places, you know. And and if you're coming from a zone of like, well, I'm giving Jordan Love and something else for him. I'm giving, uh, you know, a couple different quarterbacks for him, you know. But from the QB ten to twenty five range, you are getting up to a zone that now Burrow can get you somewhere you want to go later on, even if you don't want to hold him long term. So that's the the biggest thing with um, with Burrow is just the the optics of this is bad. And if you acquire him, it's almost like acquiring a player on IR because you can't, Tim, you can't start him, right? I mean, you have to see a game and right. miss it on your bench to have any level of confidence. And now you got Higgins out. They've got a black hole at tight end. Frankly, they have had a black hole and Irv Smith wasn't going to fix that. But I mean... I don't know when this when the light is coming because he's playing through this. And how do you get through? He probably has to get through a month straight without aggravating it to really be on a good recovery path. Good luck, right? Good luck. Yeah. So I don't know where you go with this. If you have Burrow, you just sit there and grit your teeth, right? I mean, there's not, you cannot, yep. there's no way you extract value. Nope. Be very careful. Uh, why don't you lead us off at running back? Yeah, I, I will give... Uh... Uh, give the positive one here um and that's david montgomery like he he missed a game <laughs> and he is still fourth in rushing attempts <laughs> and and he had I'm, I'm not saying he's completely put aside a first round running back but he is he's taken over the job he's like the guy so so this coaching staff when they look at like what they want to do every week they say give the ball give the ball to montgomery that that's our guy and he definitely doesn't have the the qualities that everyone remembers from that image. What was it like? Uh, speed of speed of Saquon Barkley, and there was like all those crazy uh, attributes to him. But you know what? Like when you watch him, he doesn't have the most juice in the world, but he just gets the job done. He's a great. And the lion and the Lions have one hell of an offensive line, so they're just able to make it work. Like you, I'm never sitting there like. Oh, not, this offensive line isn't going to be able to get it done. Like they protect golf. They, they really create some nice rushing lanes. And if you remember David Montgomery, he kind of came into the bear and I was kind of, uh, because he was with the bears. I was always like, yeah, he's kind of like a Matt Forte because he's able to do, he's not like, and I understand he's not the pass catcher that, that Forte was, but he's just good enough to do stuff. Like he, he is just fast enough. He is definitely big enough and yeah, he's, he's making it work this year that I, I have nothing but really positive things to say about him. Sure. He missed a game and, and the, his season total would be even higher than what it is right now. Boy, like, like as far as what you were hoping to get out of him, his value was in the tank when Jameer Gibbs went to that team. Everyone was like, "We're going to optimize Gibbs." There's he's he's completely going to sit on the sideline, or or we're going to have Gibbs Kamara Light just right off the bat. And and I I think that now that this has happened, people are probably going a little too far the other way with Gibbs. But um, I, again, I'm just very positive about what David Montgomery has done this season. And as long as he stays healthy, I don't see any reason for uh, a large portion of this just to say the same. Yeah, they were number one in uh, goal line attempts for running backs last year. We know Jamal Williams uh, led the league in rushing touchdowns, maybe total touchdowns. This year, they're fourth. I mean, nothing's really changing. He's a younger version. And honestly, I think he has a little more upside uh, and overall game than Jamal Williams, especially at that point in time from last year. And man, he, he really is. When you look at some of the the route shares and the, the carry splits, 
David Montgomery had a first round running back say, go sit over there. You know, that this is my job. And it almost feels like, again, I I know during the bye weeks where you're going to feel much more confident starting Gibbs just because you have running backs out of the mix. You're going to have injuries mixed in as well. So that's going to be a tough landscape that's going to make Gibbs more viable. I'm sure he's going to pop off for a game on 12 touches. But I mean, Montgomery is getting, as you said, I mean, full workload for a 1A back in the NFL. And he's getting, you know, pretty much exclusive goal line. So there's a lot of positives there. Um, and when <laughs> when high leverage opportunities and goal line find him, I mean, we saw this past week, three touchdowns, big game, 100 plus yards. Uh, he had another one where they were number three in Hilo on the week. I mean, those weeks, he's going to be a running back one, unquestioned. And the other weeks, he's probably still going to be someone in the top 24 just on volume alone. Um, I wanted to ask you, what do you think? It sounds like you are riding him. Like there's not really a reason to bail. He's a starting running back and he's probably not going to have as much cachet in the market. But I did want to prompt you with a couple ideas. If you're getting a future first and you have a good amount of depth at running back, are you holding Montgomery or would you rather just bank the first and say, eh, I got a bunch of other guys? If it's a first, that's hard to say no. Yeah. <laughs> that's so that's so hard, especially if you're in like a super flex format. Right. The, the quarterbacks that you're kind of looking at going into next year, that's tough. Um I, I I would definitely lean towards the first there. Okay. But I, what do you I think really... about what do you think about David Montgomery for Drake London? Mm. I I would cringe to do it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I but and and the and the other reason I say that is it's not like we're talking about a running back that's it's like thirty years old and it's done. No, he's twenty six. So yeah. so he should have a year or two. Uh, a, after this year left of still being able to give you some relative. Yeah. I guess the risk is, is that something changes now again, last year they stuck with Jamal Williams the entire time. Of course they didn't have a Jameer Gibbs type per se um, that they like that much this year. We haven't seen any tea leaves that it's going to shift towards Gibbs. Um, But I guess the fear would be at some point it shifts away from Montgomery because a first rounder is going to first round, you know, I mean, at, at some point Gibbs is going to be the guy, even if it's in a Alvin Kamara type role of, Hey, it's 250 touches, but 80 of those are, you know, he's a 10 carry a game guy and he's, we're trying to get him five, six catches, you know, that yeah. sort of split. I mean, again, it would be pretty unheard of if Gibbs were to go this year and next year, where Montgomery is still soaking up the amount he currently is getting. Long way to go, obviously. I mean, we got we got a quarter of this year's sample size. So, um, but that would, I you, guess, you be the fear at, like, is that that goes away. You do look at like the upside. Obviously, Dave Montgomery is what he is. I yeah. I, I don't think we're ever going to sit here and say he's going to zoom up uh, dynasty draft boards beyond where he currently is. Drake London. And also, I mean, if you just look at the future of the Lions, you're looking at uh, next year is, is Goff returning. I, I expect he will be. He's playing yeah. well. Not, um, and then their offensive coordinator is kind of one of those hot names that uh, that he might be saying goodbye and, and off to a head coaching right. job somewhere. And does so that change the offense? And he's like, hey, it's Gibbs. And, you know, I want to run a Gibbs if, more system. Yeah. And if you look on the other side of it, the Drake London side of things is the uh, a ton of changes could happen there. Definitely yeah. for the positive, any type of quarterback up there <laughs> right. would be a win. Yeah. Um, one other one was uh, where was it? Uh, David Montgomery for Devin Achain. Devin Achain, sorry, and uh, a second. Oh, I I I still can't buy the Achain stuff. Okay. I, I I, wa- I want to. I get it. I see the explosion. Someone made a reference to like Chris Johnson 
Uh, don't you CG2K. don't you think that don't you think that Achan though isn't it, isn't this kind of like the Burrow conversation we just had a second ago, which is if you trade for Achan now, he has the possibility whether it's now whether it's in a month whatever like he has the possibility to get you somewhere that David Montgomery never will in a trade. He could. Yeah. He could. I, I I see what you're saying. It's like if you're going to package think, up and and be a running back was going to be a critical secondary piece for you to get like Justin Herbert. If you include Achan in that deal versus David Montgomery, one of them is going to have yeah. more impact than the other. So I, that's that's the angle right. I was thinking of. Even if you view it as like, well, I'd rather start Montgomery now. Then I, I mean, part yeah. of it is the market value. So I thought that one was pretty interesting this week. All right, I'm going to mention uh, for my running back Zach Moss, running back eight in points per game in the opening month. He's played Hold three games. Hold it down, man. Holding it down. <laughs> I know. He's found money, right? I mean, left for dead. I mean, think of all the hurdles for the Colts that had to occur. You had Jonathan Taylor with the contract, and you know he's on pop. He's not right. Deion Jackson, he was the thing, week one. Evan Hull you know, had some buzz in the preseason. He got hurt. I mean, and I think I even left someone out. But the point is, Moss was like one of the last options <laughs> that they were going to yes, go with. Was. And and here he is running back eight. I mean, how about how about the confidence you had to put him in your lineup this past week? I mean, you have proof of concept. He's got 20 plus points in two of his three games, 107 yards per game total, two touchdowns. And here's the other factor. And I think it's lost in the market value and the trade value right now for Moss, which is there's a this is a James Conner type situation from that year with Le'Veon Bell. Why are we assuming there's already been a few tea leaves that Jonathan Taylor's not playing week five, you know, or, the, you know, he's not like he has to be healthy. Then who's to say he doesn't get traded? Like there are so many ways for Zach Moss to kind of continue doing what he's doing. I love the fit with Anthony Richardson. That often that, that ground game is rocking. And it, it, there, there are possibilities just like Le'Veon Bell, different little way here with Taylor, but that week four turns into week five turns into seven, turns into 10. Before you know it, Moss has basically started the whole season. <laughs> you know, if you're careful, Deion Jackson isn't even there. He went over to the Browns. I actually had to research. Where is Deion Jackson? Is he still unemployed? Because he they, they ushered him out of there pretty quick. Evan Hall has to get healthy. The point is, Zach Moss is running rough shot over this depth chart, and he's a running back one. I mean, again, found money. And I think the assumption right now, I would be offering a third or a third plus form. He has been traded for seconds. I would have a little bit of pause with that just because he's a little more nomadic in his career arc so far. So, I mean, who's to say in 2024, he's, he, he could be irrelevant. But I think with Taylor, uh, you know, even if he comes in, Moss's injury away and you still want to have him, but try to acquire him. I think it's within the realm of possibility if Jonathan Taylor comes back that it's like week nine, Taylor's rocking and Zach Moss gets dropped because of a bye week yeah. issue in a 24 man roster. Sure. So that could be the future of Moss, but the future on the other side is also Taylor doesn't play a down for the Colts this year. And Moss yeah. is literally James Connor from what was that 2019 or it was a few years ago. So that mm-hmm. is the wide range of outcomes for Moss. Find, I find it fascinating, but I think he's more valued on the bottom end of that spectrum. Yeah. He, Found money is the appropriate way to put it. I I grabbed him everywhere I could. I held with a vice grip. I I acquired him in whatever situation I could. He was one of those guys that I was just like I I I don't think it was round three pick and he's still in the thing. NFL, right? It's like yeah. I asked yeah, Jordan. I was like I was like I was like, did you ever see this stuff? You know, in Buffalo, he was like, no. <laughs> like yeah. he's playing. It's funny. <laughs> Some guys with pedigree. 
the more they get passed over or they get off that first team, you know, and they get off that rookie contract or that first big contract, and all of a sudden it hits them. I'm near the I'm near the periphery of the NFL, and this is it. You know, all of a sudden they start running like their hair's on fire, and it's like I'm running for jobs. I'm running for a paycheck next year. It's not guaranteed to me. And and Moss is definitely in that window where it seemed like, eh, you know, third round pick. I'm, I'm kind of given some stuff here in Buffalo. Never panned out, and now he's scrapping for every inch. Yep, that's a great one. All right, uh, wide receiver. What do you got? Uh, again, for me, like I said, I'm going down negative town, and for me, it's DeAndre Hopkins. I I I laughed when I I was recalling this and I actually looked it up and he sent out a tweet uh, right before the season started and said, I'll retire from football when I'm not a 1K yard receiver. That said, (laughs) uh, with with, with that said, I was on pace for 1400 yards last year. One significant injury, 11 years. Oh, so it's pace. Now we're doing pace. We're not doing a thousand yards. I might be playing until I'm 37 the way I feel. He needs to pick it up a little bit. He's on pace for about 900. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I think we're going to fall short this year and, um, and the targets are still coming his way. I mean, week one was 13 targets, which is just amazing. And, and he's just like slowly aggregating it, but this has been like, so disappointing. Like I, I, I was hoping like the situation with, uh, Traylon Burks there, um, uh, Derek Henry could take pressure off Tannehill didn't have to do a ton. He just had to feed him and, and he's kind of getting the targets like you could squint and say maybe he's okay like six or seven depending on the week which is uh which is kind of on the plus but slightly above average side but yeah i was just hoping for more i was i was hoping to see like 10 targets every week and um one of the big things is touchdowns for him i mean he's got zero touchdowns on 18 catches he's in the wide receiver 40s but honestly the couple touchdowns he'd be at like wide receiver 30 so it really is i mean if you had a couple classic you know uh rangy sticky hands uh touchdowns in the red zone or something uh, you know it he probably wouldn't have even made your list you know or talking point and that we are talking small margins for the opening month but man yeah trusting tennessee right i mean trusting Tannehill. they played better this past week henry looked himself but there's a lot of risk with Hopkins that he just levels off and he's like some shoulder shrug guy where it's like you almost would be rather like viewing him like a, a, a bi-week fill-in guy more than a regular top one, two, three in your lineup. Yep. Wow. Okay. You're, so what's your, what's your, he can break a flex or yeah. So yeah. is he retiring? He can break a flex or what's your, what's your action plan? Here? I, I is he so. retiring? What's going on? <laughs> he, he's as dead as Aaron, he's as dead as Aaron Rodgers, apparently. <laughs> okay. So you're you're projecting that this is not going to turn around. This is not no, going to be. No, I don't think so. This, this oh. is going to just keep going the same path. <laughs> okay, this is going to go sideways. And Tennessee is really concerning, and that's why oh. I I think it's interesting that you know Tajay Spears has so much uh, appeal, even though he's yeah. you know not a flex guy. He's an injury away option because okay, so even if Henry moves on, and then you got what quarterback question, team question, offense question, and it's like, well, I'm a starter. Okay. <laughs> I, I like is that is that great yeah you know it's like you gotta be really careful about the, the situation you're walking into because we have seen examples uh that that you're just yeah and he's owed almost two touchdowns so um yeah so hopkins again a couple of touchdowns is kind of what you would expect from him in this instance i'm gonna go uh big time here at wide receiver and you know what do, what do we preach don't waste roster spots on wide receiver and puka nakua is one that 
fourth round, fifth round of rookie drafts. The point is, like, he was also yeah. probably available on some waiver wires in May or June. Practice reports, you know, training camp, OTAs, all this stuff start coming in. Obviously, he's he's rostered everywhere. But I mean, the perfect storm. Here's what he was going up against. The fact that if some like that's what I find fascinating because I I do view it as bad process. If you drafted him at 402 in your rookie draft on May 2nd, I mean, think of the things that had to occur. First of all, Stafford was viewed as left for dead, right? I mean, is he going to retire? What's going to happen? He's going to get blown up. Is he even going to play? What's happening? He's been vibrant and healthy. Now he got beat up a little bit last week. We'll see if, you know, how that accrues over the season. But Stafford, big question mark. Then you had Cooper Cup. He blocks out the sun. You had round two pick Van Jefferson. Good opportunity for him with Allen Robinson gone. You had Tuju Atwell, round two pick. So you've got one of the best receivers in the NFL. Two other round two picks, like right in that zone where you would expect him to start doing more things. And then you've got this day three guy in Puka Nakua. And Nakua renders all that irrelevant. Well, we don't know about the cup thing. And that's the biggest wrinkle. You know, is he going to be back this week, next week? The point is soon. I think, I, I don't know about you, uh, Tim, but I, well, and just to finish out, he's wide receiver four in points per game. He's got three 20 plus point games, two 30 plus point games, 500 yards in a month <laughs> for a day three guy that just started playing in the NFL. And it's kind of like Cooper Cup reincarnated. You know, he's doing all the dirty stuff. It's not super, you know, athletically impressive or anything like this. But the connection there, like I heard some stories. You know, he was he was crashing that Cooper Cup Matthew Stafford, you know, early bird uh, film meeting. You know, back in May, he's like, "Hey, can I come?" <laughs> you know, and so like he's just he's he's digging into everything. And I want to, I I do think Cup can come in, and these two guys could block out the sun, like. We've seen passing games this year, other years, where two guys get 55% of targets. I think Nakua and Cup could do that. And I think the who would lose out is Van Jefferson. He would lose out in a major way. Um, Atwell, you take a little top off of his target load. And I think it all works. I think Cup and Nakua can coexist. Now, is, the ups, is he a top five guy? Probably not. Is he a top 15 guy? Absolutely possible. Uh, the schedule is a little, little more difficult in the second half. I got some trade, uh, three trades from this past week or so that really struck my chord. But what do you think about Nakua being able to maintain? Like, is he going to go away, or is this out of the out of the music box? And the music, to some degree, has to keep playing even when Cooper Cup comes back. I I, I hope it, it keeps going. Like I'm 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 somewhat positive. That, that it can happen um he just he does seem like it, it's uh, i i want to say it can keep going like that that's my instinct is that why i understand what cooper cup is and he's kind i kind of view him as like the christian mccaffrey of of wide receivers like he just takes in all the air he is everything yeah but there's got to be something like there's got to be there's got to be more to it than that. Well, nothing's really I, I nutty really about what this. he's doing. You know, I yeah. mean, he's got one touchdown. I believe it was after two or three weeks. I mean, he was like in the top two or three with no touchdowns, which is yeah. really hard. His expected touchdowns is one. He has one. Like it's he's not doing nutty stuff. It really just is the usage. And so the the only real calculus you have to do is how much does Cup take and who does it come from? And I I mean. What Naku is doing, how do you say it doesn't come? Like, I think Van Jefferson could become completely irrelevant. Take his target load and take it down to oh, the yeah, nugs sure. and almost. So you're dealing with something. I mean, he, he's getting work. And then you take Atwell and you carve out, like, you take away like 20% of what he's doing. And 
Nakua down, say, 10%. And Cup is probably close to doing what he was doing before. So I, I, I think this could yeah. be a much slower version of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell of just saying, hey, they're going to have a huge chunk of this pie. But I think the bigger question, not is with Cooper Cup, but Matthew Stafford. Like what happened? He was limping around and playing yeah. through these hits last mm-hmm. week. It was a little scary. <laughs> like like how many more? He was awesome for a week or two. And I feel like now the hits are coming. So again, they're a team that doesn't have depth and they're playing a lot of guys that wouldn't be starting for other teams. So you gotta be really careful um, that if he's out in week eight and they're playing Stetson Bennett or Brett Rippon, I, I don't know who survives. I don't know who survives this. So Nakua might go down to wide receiver 40 just because of what's playing at quarterback and Cup is playing as well. Um, I, and, and that's why I think as great as it is now, and I, I do think we have to sit up and take this seriously because day three wide receivers don't come in and do this in game one and month one and, and all this. Nakua and DJ Moore for Jamar Chase. There has to be a limit to how you view this yeah. story of Nakua. There has to be. Another one, which again, this is a little lesser, but Chase is a good buy, by the by the way. I just traded for him today. Um, Nakua for Garrett Wilson and a second. Again, I, I'm not the biggest Garrett Wilson Garrett, fan, yeah. but if you play this scenario out over the next three years, 10 times, Garrett Wilson's the superior player. How many? Eight or nine? Like that's just, yeah. that's a long-term pedigree bet. Um, it is, it is. Yeah, and then Nakua and, and Achan for Kyler Murray in the first in Superflex. So again, I kind of went in an order of how good I think the deals yeah. are. I still think that's one that again, when Kyler Murray is come is healthy and he's oh, playing in twenty twenty four, it's hard to win the other side of this deal. I feel it is. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, uh, we've got uh, tight end. Uh, give us your surprise tight end in the opening month. Oh, and. And this this was a funny one. Like like when you look across the tight end landscape, it's so much doo doo. Yeah. Uh, you can pick um, ten guys probably. In the yeah, you side. you could pick. Uh, so I I will make a trip down Positive Town. Um, just Hey-o. just uh, just to kind of split split my world in half. And it's Sam Laporta. I I remember coming into the season and um, before the before the Jameson Williams. Uh, <clears throat> in uh suspension happened everyone told me hey there there's not going to be enough target share it's going to be gibbs it's going to be amon ross st brown it's going to be everyone other than sam laporta rookie tight ends don't don't do much of anything and here we are right now and like depending on your scoring like ppr leagues he's tight end four like (laughs) um he is at the tight end position, he is fourth in targets. And that's just amazing to me. Like he's on the field all the time. They use him in creative ways. Uh, I, I am just thrilled that this young man is like getting the opportunity this quickly. And I, I've like again, Stroud and Nikula, but, right? I mean, yeah. pass and, catchers don't do this, especially at tight end right away. It's very uncommon. I, I really think like the interesting conversation is just like the, the Dalton Kincaid, everyone. I, yeah. that that offense is just so quizzical like i was expecting dalton kincaid to come in and kind of be like a cole beasley type of role be an outlet yeah uh when josh allen was really so productive and we're not seeing that at at, really at all and uh, so yeah sam laporta just 
just hats off to you, man. That, that's great to see him again. I just love what the Lions are doing this year overall. Um, I, I I didn't even think about it when I started putting together my list that I, I have two two Lions on this list. But yeah, wonderful, wonderful to see from just this offense taking off. I I really I have always kind of uh, I have always been like a Browns fan, but I mean the team that I like feel most drawn to anymore is really the Lions. Yeah, they are a fun offensive watch. We'll see about Jameson Williams. You know, if he takes the top off and gives more room for Monra St. Brown and Laporta underneath, that's going to be pretty, and, and Gibbs. I mean, pretty exciting stuff the way they've built and actually hit on a lot of these bets they've made pending uh, Jameson Williams. Um, and actually, I thought of it, you know, like he's a he's a baby George Kittle. So, you know, we have uh, we have Bandrews, but we also have uh, we uh, we have Biddle, <laughs> we have Biddle there with Laporta, baby baby Kittle. Uh, I'm gonna go low hanging fruit. So my lone negative one, and I, even though I was negative when it was he's tight end one in Dynasty, I never imagined this. I've I've had a lot of negative things to say about Kyle Pitts, but it's it's gone a little too far in haywire and this short circuiting with London and Pitts in Atlanta is. I never could have pictured it being this bad. Kyle Pitts is tied in 28. And I understand what, if he catches the touchdown, he might be tied in 14. <laughs> like it's really that, that, that small of a line. He's 30 points per game, zero touchdowns, five targets per game. Like all these numbers are surprising. London's struggling too. However, John Smith is str- thriving. Figure this one out. <laughs> um, it's all Desmond Ritter, in my opinion. Uh, he, he just doesn't have it. He's getting a full opportunity. Like Sam Howell is actually supporting and fostering some fantasy production in Washington, but Ritter is doing the opposite. Anytime that they have to actually do drop back and it's like, we're trailing. Okay. Let's look like a regular offense guys. Ritter does not look like a regular offense and he just struggles in the drop back. Everyone knows you're going to pass game and that's going to kill you in the NFL. At some point you're going to be trailing and you got to actually be functional. You can't just dump the ball with turnovers and bad throws, turnover worthy plays, and it's been graphic to watch some of these. Uh the schedule is also brutal coming up. Um the first positive adjusted strength of schedule tight end matchup for Kyle Pitts and Atlanta is week 13. Week 13. So he's not going to get any actual schedule help. So it's all going to be on Ritter internally turning this around. And I've said before, Pitts playing wide receiver essentially is hurting him because now he's a wide receiver that's not juiced up enough. He's very freaky for a tight end. Is he freaky for a wide receiver? Not really. So um, I think (laughs) now he's getting corner coverage. He's getting safety over the top. Ask Mark Andrews if he would like to be a split out wide almost every snap player or would he like to be, you know, in line, you know, in the slot, you know, near uh, near the line of scrimmage. I guarantee he'd like the latter. And Pitts is out there soaking coverage a lot. Um, the only tight end in the NFL like Pitts with 100 plus yards on the season and minus 40% or more under their expected production is Zach Ertz. And he's what, 35? <laughs> like people didn't think he was going to play again potentially. And here's the other thing about his usage. You might be like, oh, Kyle Pitts should have a couple touchdowns by now. His expected touchdowns, 0.4. So his usage points to no touchdowns. It's crazy stuff. He's half his yards per route run for his career. Half. He's being traded for like Luke Musgrave in a second. Or I actually saw Kyle uh, Tyler Higby straight up. So it has fallen far. You need to knock on that door. And 
it's bad right now, but let's face it. There's probably five or six teams in your league. You're not falling that far behind if you're starting mm-hmm. Kyle Pitts right now. And he's a hard one to bench because you know any game, you know, you wouldn't be surprised by 60, 70 plus yards and a touchdown at tight end. I mean, you're just booming. Like you're enjoying life. You're throwing singles around, you know, at the tight end position if you get that type of produ- production in a week. So um, I just think for Pitts, it's going like, <sighs> You need this whole reset, and I, I just keep imagining that this offense with Bijan Robinson, with London, with Pitts, and they're going to have a different quarterback, whether it's a veteran, whether it's, again, Taylor Heineke. How far do we go and Taylor Heineke, who can at least mix it up and throw downfield and uh, be a competitive, wily, Baker Mayfield-type player? He's going to have some mistakes. But it's going to be much better for fantasy for these two guys especially. So we might be very soon seeing Taylor Heineke and that fixes a lot of what we're talking about or it might be in the offseason with a veteran or a newly drafted quarterback I just can't see Atlanta being long-term successful this year with Ritter and I can't see Pitts or London being predictably productive in your lineup either so it's a really tough spot but I think I think Pitts is one that the the data you know the intrinsic profile on him points to somebody that should be finishing pretty regularly in the top five or six. That is to get all the way home and be tight end one and that dominant player people thought when he came out of Florida. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is he has a lot of upside potential with some of the price points people are trading him for and bailing now. Does just, just want, I know this, this isn't necessarily in line with just Kyle Pitts because uh, I, I agree with what you're saying. Fast forwarding, we're going to be having a similar conversation with how freaky and how good uh, Brock Powers is. Yeah, coming out of Georgia, do you do you feel like it's probably going to be more offense based, like how you're starting to feel about him, or do you think it's going to be another one of those situations where you're just concerned because of how he might get how how much competition? Um, how people may play him, like if they may guard against him and not worry about some of the other pieces. See, I think Bowers is going to be used all over the formation a lot more, and I really don't like how they're using Pitts. Far too often, okay. he's isolated out there like an X, and I just, I really hate that. Um, and I, I think that Bowers is going to be used all over the place, and you see that at Georgia. And anyone that drafts him that doesn't do that, I think, would be categorically insane. Of of use, I will say it's it says one thing. I think you do need to operate differently in a one tight end stock format versus a. I mean, if you're right now in a juiced up two PPR for tight end, you get some premium from yardage, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff, or it's start two. That's where you draft pedigree right away. Like you're gonna have to take Pitts, you take Kincaid, yeah. you take Laporta, you take uh, Bowers, you take all these guys early because the floor is really valuable. And then they also have the ceiling. But I think in a stock, you know, I, I just think back to some people were taking him uh pits ahead of I'm trying to think of he was going what like one oh sometimes one oh two or one oh three. Yeah. But at oh, least yeah. in the top five of that draft class. You know, and it's he was going over who's after Chase? Chase was going earlier, like one oh two. And I'm trying to think there's another wide receiver. Is that the Waddle class? Uh, like, that might have been the Waddle class. Wasn't Kenneth, Kenneth Walker in that class? And- yeah. I, I, again, so I mean, the point is, but you go towards a tight end and you just have such a small margin. And I really think in a stock format, 
you know, you kind of fade the rookie tight end and you can always circle back and trade for relatively affordable, even if you're quote unquote wrong early. Cause I just don't think there's a lot of downside to waiting until the second off season or, you know, year three or year four, or, you know, heck just, you, you, you try to trade for Mark Andrews, you know, when people are down on him for some reason, or, you know, you trade for that veteran profile. So I just think in one tight end, the learning point is probably let's not go after these guys, you know, right when they're coming in, it's like, I got to draft pits at one Oh four. Really? Do you? I mean, I think it's a good learning lesson. Now, if they had a better quarterback, we probably wouldn't say this, but I do think you need to evaluate very carefully um, on that initial investment versus investing in year two, three, or just kind of waiting and seeing. Wanted to mention just, as we just go ahead. It, that 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 class is really fun. Uh, it's the Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, uh, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne class. Wow, <laughs> a lot, a lot, of, of, a lot bone, of good yeah. names. Yeah, I do want to mention Tim Torch again. Uh, he's been primarily in the off season. He's been over at patreon.com slash UTH. Uh, we have some made, made some adjustments. I do a quick waiver show, uh, 10, 15, 20 minutes talking about strategy for the week that comes out on Mondays. Um, you also get things like the start rate matrix. You get uh, streaming appeal ratings at uh, defenses, kickers. Uh, we actually also do uh, adjusted strength of schedule type analysis that you can find. And and Tim mixes that up. We do a lot of, of bonus podcasts as well over there. And then as well, you know, if, if you're a team right now, with a lot, you know, we mentioned some of these trades, you know, and if you want to get these ideas, if you want to get valuations, be ahead of the market. And again, everything changes every week. So good luck, quote unquote, catching up to the market like it's June. Uh, that the UTH trade calculator is going to keep you um, ahead of the game. It updates every single week, and it's going to be something that uh, really gets you ahead for targeting profiles for your team direction, but also making it. We always talk about, you know, contending. And then also making dynasty trades. There's a really fine line between you know being a little too win now versus always kind of pushing towards the future. And that's the fine line you have to run as a dynasty GM. And as always, I uh, want to remind you about Tim Torch on Twitter. It's at it's Tim Torch. Uh, you can find him <laughs> with uh, with comments as well as questions or maybe ideas for topics you want to hear over at Patreon or here on the UTH Weekly Show. I am Chad Parsons, and as always, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dices. You're gonna do me. I, I I'm gonna do you good. <laughs>